welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Sunday evening, or I think it's almost Monday morning for you, Mr. Bontemps. Um, apologies in advance. I'm a little under the weather, as you probably can hear. But, you know, listen, you got to play hurt. You got to play hurt in September. You got to play hurt in January. You got to play hurt in June. And that's what we do on this podcast. Joining us, he's still in Italy. I think he's in Milan, but I'm not exactly sure. Tim Bontemps. I am. I am in Milan. It's 1238. I'll get a little bit of sleep tonight to pull a Brian Wynn horse. And by the way, Tom Bielaszewski, friend of the pod, saw him today, coach of Varese, right outside of Milan, Serie A team from Western New York, like me, gave me some gear. So I'm wearing it for the pod. Loyal pod listener. Wanted to shout him out. Very good guy. Known Brian a long time. Yeah, I've known him since he was uh, basically an intern with the Cleveland Cavs in the 2000s. Uh, Also with the Lakers, the Kings, uh, I think uh, with the Jazz. Coach in Australia, he's coached in Italy, now the, now the head coach in Varese. Or Luis and, Scola, uh, who owns the team, longtime NBA player. Just saw Luis Scola uh, last week in Manila, and if it's possible, Luis Scola looks better now than he did 12, 15 years ago. Well, and I will tell you, Tom, Tom was telling me that this week they were playing three-on-three three after practice, and Luis jumped in after coming back from the Philippines and was schooling people in practice, and he was just like, I can't believe this guy's doing this at 45 it was he pretty amazing yeah he looks like uh he's chiseled he's a rock he <laughs> he looks spectacular um anyway joining us from dallas texas doing this pod during the cowboys game is ben mcmahon howdy partners happy to report that uh, my fantasy football interests are doing much better this week than a week before also just want to get out there anybody who wants to send me free gear uh my dms on the Platform formerly known as Twitter are open. I'll be happy to uh, to provide my address if there's some free stuff coming my way. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying uh, this space here is available for uh, not even for sale for free. This space here, <laughs> yeah, for free gear, hundred <laughs> percent. Bontemps, you we talk about the NBA, but you, I believe, on Saturday went to the Milano Derby or the Milano Derby, I should say, Inter Milan versus AC Milan. How was that experience? Unbelievable. It was the coolest sporting event I've ever been to. I've been fortunate to be to a lot, be at a lot of cool events. I mean, the uh, the atmosphere at a game like this is truly second to none. And uh, I was there with my wife, Kelly, who was very impressed by the ultras for both fan, both uh, both teams for fans that don't know or people that don't know. There's these absolute insane fans behind both goals for each team at every game. And the AC Milan fans are at one end and the Inter Milan fans are at the other end. And they have these banners they unveil during the game and they're chanting the whole game and banging drums and lighting off flares and didn't matter that AC was down five to one at the end of the game. They were still just as loud as they were at the beginning. And it was uh, it was a very cool thing to see all the way around. There's not really anything like it in American sports. So it was very cool. Yeah, I saw my first Premier League game about six years ago and it was a two to two tie um, and a basically, a you know, I don't want to say something that gets me offends people from London in a non premium venue uh <laughs> crystal palace which is uh what the team and ted lasso is basically based on it's basically supposed to be crystal palace they they're also owned by the uh owners of the sixers i believe we're going to talk about in a little while yes uh some would say owners of the commanders but uh, that's yes, true uh, that's true but we talk about the is, nba here on this podcast so we talk about the that's sixers. absolutely right that's eventually. absolutely correct <laughs> eventually is right Anyway, it was a, it was an amazing experience in a two two tie, and so uh, if you ever get a chance, I would go to a European proper football, as they would say, uh, match if you get a chance. Uh, but proper basketball still play in the United States, regardless of what people will tell you elsewhere. And yeah, NBA uh, media days are two hours, two hours, two they're they're longer than two, two hours. hours two hours, <laughs> two hours from now would be something. <laughs> two weeks. Two weeks from Monday for most of them. The teams that are going overseas, I believe, get to start a week from this upcoming Friday. I think this year that's just the Timberwolves and Mavericks. Uh, you, you, are you going to Mavericks Day early there, McMahon? I will be at the Mavericks, and then after that, I will scoot on over to Memphis to uh, check in on the Jawless Grizzlies. Yes. Well, and that's what we're going to talk about. So um, 
Media day is a time when, in theory, and I really believe in practice, all players and coaches and in some cases, executives, although sometimes the executives have the press conferences ahead of media day. Well, every team, every team except for the Knicks has their executives available. The New York Knicks. Well, do I don't do think that. I don't think Pat Riley talks preseason. I think he talks postseason, but maybe he talks preseason, too. I think he does. He talks anyway, during the year. The Knicks execs do not. Yeah, that's true. Adam Silver, by the way, was asked about uh, Leon Rose's lack of having um, press conferences. And basically, Adam said, well, I would prefer, you know, we at the NBA prefer it to, to deal directly and transparently with the media, but uh, the teams can do what they want. Uh, In other words, I don't care. That's what he said. That's true. Leon uh, was in uh, Manila. I saw him there. There was three Knicks playing in that USA-Canada game. Josh Hart, R.J. Barrett, and J- Jalen Brunson, and uh, Leon made the trip over there. There's uh, Jalen Brunson. True. That's correct. Yes. Uh, Rick Brunson was also there. I don't think uh, he had nothing to say on the record. Let's leave it at that. All right. So media day happens. A lot of the questions that you want to get asked to develop over the summer can get asked in this time frame. And there's not always a lot of great answers, but what I thought we would do today is um, some of the biggest questions that people are going to have to answer at media day. And we'll just go around and say which ones we think. And uh, Bontemps, since you're still in Italy, I'll start with you. Well, I'm going to start with the team I will be with on media day. McMahon said he'll be with Dallas and Memphis on Friday and Monday. I will be where else in Philadelphia with the 76ers, where there will be all sorts of questions to Nick Nurse, to Joel Embiid, to maybe James Harden. We'll see if James Harden shows up to everybody else. Let's just go down the line. There's about 100 questions asked to James Harden. If he does show up, why did you opt into your contract? Where is your stance on playing for the Sixers right now? Are you going to be around the entire season, do you think? Why are you here if you're actually answering questions? Why are you not at home? You know, Nick Nurse, you know, he gave a press conference obviously in the summer, but how is he going to navigate the situation with James Harden? What is his stance on that? Joel Embiid talked this summer about, you know, his future potential being open. How does he feel about the way the summer went for the 76ers? Tyrese Maxey didn't get extended. How does he feel about that? I mean, you can go down the line. There's a whole bunch of stuff to talk about in Philadelphia, which is just fitting because for basically a decade straight, they've been the drama capital of the NBA. And outside of maybe in Portland, and I guess now with what's going on in Milwaukee, maybe in Milwaukee, there's not going to be a more awkward place to be than in Camden, New Jersey on Monday, the 2nd of October, listening to whatever it is everybody has to say about everything that's going on there. Yeah, and I think the most fascinating person to hear from there is going to be Joel Embiid because, like, there are certainly a lot of questions that need to be asked of James Harden. His answers, we'll see, but we know what he wants, right? We we know where his mindset generally is, and that's get me the hell out of Philly. I don't (laughs) want to be here anymore. Uh, Daryl Moore is a liar. I mean, he said all that. Like, maybe he tones it down a little bit, but we know he wants out. And we know that Daryl Morey basically says, hey, if a deal makes sense, I'll do it, but I'm not just giving them away because that's what I want. So what we, you know, Embiid, I would say for the first time has dropped or planted seeds of the possibility of Philadelphia not being his long-term future. Um, And it's been messy since then. Nothing really has changed since he kind of threw that out there. Um, So, what kind of tone he wants to set at the start of training camp to me is going to be very interesting. Absolutely. I mean, um, who knows, even if Harden comes, who knows if he'll seriously entertain questions. You know, I'd like to know why he opted in. I'd mm-hmm. like to know why he said Daryl Moore was a liar. I'm not sure he's going to give those answers. But more relevantly is how is he, if he does show up, is he willing to play at his current level for them? Right, he's going to give 100%. That's certainly a question worth asking. But look, the reason, to McMahon's point, the reason we have talked about this for months is not because of James Harden. Mm -hmm. It's because of what the impact of what James Harden is doing or how much he's caring or how it's doing with what it does to the 76ers. It's what it all means to Joel Embiid. That's why all of this matters. And that's why what Joel says is what's going to matter. How does Joel feel about the way the summer's gone? How does Joel feel about where James Harden is at? Does Joel believe James Harden is going to be committed to playing for the 76ers this year? What does he think of Nick Nurse? We haven't had a chance to talk to him about that. Like there's a guy who's had a colorful history with, who he's gone back and forth with the media a couple different times in the past. Will you play for Team USA next summer? 
He may be uh, relieved to hear that question. He may uh, be relieved to hear that. Yeah, question. no doubt. Oh, hey, be, yes. let's go through. Let's go through the whole decision making process. France, USA. Let's <laughs> let's weigh the pros and cons here. Let's you know. I uh, suspect I suspect there will be a Lequipe reporter, uh, the the top French newspaper, at the press conference to ask Joel Embiid that question because I've heard it be asked to him three or four times at least myself in person, and I would suspect that will happen again, if not then, soon after. Well, and and I think just generally, like the temperature needs to be taken with Embiid. Hey, what needs to happen for you to feel like you can be fully committed to Philadelphia for the long haul here? Mm-hmm. Or you know what potentially, you know what potentially could be the timeline of you know you perhaps trying to explore other options. I doubt he'll get into all that, but I think what can be what he can make clear is what are the potential consequences of this season not being successful. Yeah, because that's that's kind of we're getting a little higher. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but that's kind of what Giannis is. Yeah, basically implying. We'll get to that. And there are a few if, people uh, better at navigating a press conference than Joel Embiid. When he wants right, to make he, a point, he knows exactly how to do it, and he knows how to do it in a way where he can say what he wants without actually saying it. And, and if he wants to do that, he'll do it. And the the Harden, they pulled Harden off the market five weeks ago, and nothing's changed since then. So Embiid has had plenty of time to think about oh, yeah. why he'd answer this question. By the way, the um, the Sixers are training, having training camp in Fort Collins, Colorado, Bontemps. That's, That's correct. Nice. It's going to be a long flight and a long drive after a flight. Hey, just understand this. When you're talking to grown folks in, in Fort Collins, Colorado, take your hat off, take your shades off. I'm going to, I'm going to drive into, I'm going to drive into Fort Collins with my sunglasses on, with my hat on, on top of it. Gonna, oh, gonna look at the whole Ron, look. Ron Timps is coming in with a little bit of swag. <laughs> I don't know uh, Fort Collins. I've only been there one time for an hour or two. Is there a five-star hotel in Fort Collins that uh, the NBA players will enjoy? I'm going to guess there's not unless they're staying in Denver, which is quite a ways away from Fort Collins, ah, which I don't know if answer. I don't I don't know if Joel Embiid and PJ Tucker and James Harden everybody's aware of what's in Fort Collins, but it will be interesting to see. Maybe okay. yeah, there's a bunch of good campsites there. They might just you know, <laughs> They can rent an RV. <laughs> hey, nothing like a little kumbaya around the campfire. That's just what the Sixers need, baby. Hey, listen, Nick Nurse, first first decision is head coach. We're going to fly four hours to Denver. We're going to drive an hour up to Fort Collins. It's a bold choice. So see how it goes. Be an interesting week. That's like um, all these NBA players who are excited. I, I know I keep bringing it back to Team USA. I'm, I know. All these NBA players who are crawling over each other to commit to Team USA for next summer don't realize, I don't think, that the first 10 days of the Olympics for, for the basketball is in the lull. How many of them do we think actually know that? Zero, one, any, five. <laughs> that do L- any of these L- guys know it's not in Paris? I believe it's pronounced "lol." I think it's Leo, but I could be wrong. I think it's pronounced "lol." Well, you, you're you're the you're the Anglophile, so you. Would uh, I just I just know that it's uh, it's closer to Brussels than it is to Paris. Anytime there's a question be. about uh, foreign pronunciation, Bindi's <laughs> the guy who I get. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Does anybody uh, do in all seriousness, Brian, do any of these guys actually know it's not being played in Paris? The best part, I don't know, but the best part of this story is that initially the, the they're going to play the quarterfinals, semifinals, finals in the main arena in Paris, but the main arena is not available the first two weeks, the first week because of gymnastics. But the best part is the best part of the story is they actually picked a venue in Paris to play the pool play games and they announced it. And then the French players were like, we can't play there. Why not? Why can't you play at this venue in Paris? Because the ceiling is too low. <laughs> I didn't Rudy and Evan Fournier, basically Rudy Gobert and Evan Fournier basically give a press conference and be like, yeah, we can't play the games here. And then yeah. it got moved to Leo. <laughs> yeah, the ceiling is too low. It's amazing. Oh, you worried so, about like bumping his head? I, I, if somebody knows about the height of ceilings and their importance, I would guess Rudy would be a good source for that. Yeah. Um, very rarely do you hear about a basketball venue being plagued by low ceilings. Low ceilings. <laughs> you hear LaGuardia being plagued by low ceilings, but not uh, basketball. All right. Nobody's got to understand that joke. Again, uh, this is week two now with my aviation humor. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. 
and starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start with thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can. Even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. McMahon, who do you uh, want to ask a question to on Media Day or want want questions answered? Well, certainly I think that uh, we can go from one superstar that the whole league is is watching to another, and that's Giannis. So, you know, Milwaukee Bucks. And, I mean, you talk about a guy who keeps on leaving, trying to leave breadcrumbs uh, to, you know, for his potential exit from an organization. Breadcrumbs, he's leaving loaves. Exactly. (laughs) And, And it's been, it's, like it's intensified this summer, his recent podcast appearance, the New York Times interview. But this has like been going on for years, even this is like the summer after the championship. And and so, you know, obviously you, you want to ask about all that. But wh- one question I would ask for Giannis is, what do you need to see in terms of a commitment from the organization? And, and you know, where in your mind has that fallen short? I have no problem with Giannis or any other superstar evaluating the situation and saying, you know what, the realistic chance to to contend for championships, that window is is coming to a close here. Where else might it be open for me? That's fine. I'm just a little confused. He's like passive aggressively throwing it. I'm not sure who under the, like who are you calling out for not being as committed to winning, winning as you are? They're spending, like, are you calling out teammates? Are you calling out the front office? The, the coach is different. So I would I would want to seek some clarification on exactly what his uh, issue there is. I guess we'll know the answer to whether or not he's signing an extension. Mm-hmm. Come on. I think we know that answer. Right, it's sort I'd of say self-evident. we do. I'd say we do, too. I'd say we do, too. Yeah, so we'll see what Giannis says. I'm sure it'll be thought out. I mean, um, as far as the Bucks situation... Even though this is discomforting uh, for them, I don't think that it's something that they didn't see. I mean, I, I said this a few months ago on the podcast when Mark Lazary sold his shares in the team. Mm-hmm. He did it for a reason. He saw, number one, he had a great price. And number two, he saw this sort of storm on the horizon. Now, he you know, could have not been the owner for them winning a championship last year. He sold them during the season. They may win the championship this year, but that storm has been on the horizon for a while. I actually, while I'm not sure the venue is ideal, which is in, you know, interviews that were the team wasn't aware of and stuff like that. I actually kind of applaud Giannis for his candor. Mm-hmm. Well, I would, I would rather him be honest about the way he feels as opposed to showing up saying, I'm always going to be a buck or, you know, my future is in Milwaukee when he obviously has reasonable, questionable doubts about his future. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I don't. Like I have no issue with those doubts because, frankly, I think that there are there are reasonable doubts. I just I'm confused by the way that he keeps talking about not not even hinting, just flat out saying if the commitment's not the same from everybody. Because I just don't know I don't know who he's calling out. I don't I don't see the issue being a lack. Of commitment. Yeah, it's 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 coded language, but maybe the code doesn't quite make sense to us. Is maybe right. Well. I, I would say a couple things. I would say if you want to if you want to applaud Giannis for honesty, do it next summer when you have a year left on your deal and it's like time to put up or shut up in terms of whether you're going to extend. Going on this crusade on in multiple media outlets now. Well, but if this is how he into, feels, well, if this is how he feels. I'd rather know. 
Well, okay, but they're not going to trade him this season no matter what anyway. So all you're doing is putting an inordinate amount of pressure that already exists on your team. You're only heaping more on it for this coming season. Where you could, if you, you could go to the Bucs. That's right. With a with a rookie head coach, who, by the way, Giannis signed off on quite clearly. They clearly weren't hiring a coach Giannis didn't approve of. So that means he approved of Adrian Griffin being the coach who, I mean, I like AG a lot. We've all been around him. Hopefully he does a great job. But certainly that's a guy Giannis signed off on hiring. They go out and they sign Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez. They bring back this team. By the way, Giannis, I was at game five against the Heat in the first round when they blew a giant lead in the fourth quarter and lost. And Giannis sat up there at the press conference and gave a speech about how this wasn't a failure of a season. Now he's going around saying, well, everybody isn't having the same kind of commitment as me. Well, I don't know. Maybe that would seem to signal that he thinks last season was a failure, which obviously it was to lose as a one seed in the first round instead of acting like it wasn't, you know, so Look, uh, to me, you're right. Giannis is more than free to say all these things. I just don't really see what good it's doing because he's going to be on the Bucs this season. In theory, he wants to win a championship with the Bucs this season. None of this is helping the Bucs win a championship this season. All it's doing is putting this in this like last dance energy around the Bucs, which maybe yeah, they'll but persevere through and win. That's fine, but, but it's not helping say, them. He was going to have to say no to do the- it. He's got to say no to the extension, and that would yes. But you could you very easily. That, that, that's very easy saying. Hey, you know, I mean, financially, it doesn't make sense for me right now to make that exactly sense to wait. Uh, it's just a business decision. Like, there's that's not an issue that you could say that a hundred ways without yeah. calling out the organization, which he's doing now repeatedly. Right. And again, he's allowed but, to do it. I just don't but, see what good it's doing. But he's calling them out when they just paid good money to keep. Chris Middleton. They just pay good money to keep Brooke Lopez. I don't know. Like, is, is this like going back to not paying to keep PJ Tucker a couple of years? Like, I, I, in terms of like a lack of commitment, I think that's a very muddy message. I also like to ask him about his knee surgery, which yeah. there's been scant details on and didn't really become public until the Greek team kind of made it known. I'm not sure exactly how it came out, but I believe it came out via reports in Greece. Mm-hmm. It didn't come from the Bucks, And then nope. eventually the Bucks said, oh yeah, Giannis had surgery. Oh, okay. Well, you know how I feel. There's no such thing as minor knee surgery. Um, Especially not so, for a guy who plays like Giannis plays. Right. So I want to know how that's doing. And where's his, um, you know, he didn't rule himself out of the Greek national team until relatively late in the process. So I don't know, maybe he'll be ready to go, but um, you know, you have some questions about that, too, when uh, one of the faces of the league is coming off surgery. Um, OK, um, I'm obviously going to be interested in what happens at Portland Media Day. I know that everybody's going to be interested in what Dame has to say, although Dame has said quite a bit. I think what he's made clear is he wants to be traded and doesn't really care what the the uh, details are. And he wants to be traded to the Miami Heat. And there's no deal there. I mean, maybe there'll be a deal between now and then. I certainly don't sense any um, progression in that uh, in that uh, in that direction, but it's not impossible. But while there's going to be a lot of focus on Dame, the guy I'm interested in hearing from is Scoot Henderson. Now, I'm not saying that Scoot Henderson, and I don't know, I don't really know him at all. I've never met him. Don't have a good feel for the the type of personality he is. I've seen interviews with him. I've uh, watched him play, but I don't really know. But if there's a guy who could force this quicker it's not dame it could be scoot and i'm interested to hear what scoot says about sharing the court with dame potentially for a while whether this distraction potential is affecting him at all and just his general feelings about it now typically a rookie would come in and say nothing but uh you know try to stay back and be uh be seen and not heard and maybe that's what he'll do but um you know this affects the start of his career and um, I also want to hear from Chauncey if Dame is a member of the Blazers and, you know, they have to operate like he's a member of the Blazers is how's Chauncey Billups going to play the two of them. And I know that it, you know, is going to be temporary, but the way they handle those questions and the way they answer those questions is going to be, in my view, a tell on how far they're ready, ready for this to go. Are they willing to let this go into the regular season? Are they willing to let this go to Christmas? Because, under these new rules, I don't see how Dame cannot play. 
unless he doesn't report. And if he doesn't report, he's getting fined. And I don't see Dan getting fined. And by um, the way, I, I did check on one thing with these new rules, and I can't say this with 100% certainty, but my understanding is if, say, a team plays a back-to-back and they decide to, quote-unquote, not rest a guy by playing him for 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes or something, my strong belief is that the league will investigate that and potentially punish teams for doing that. So I don't think that, because I have a couple of people have asked me, I was obviously over here, so I was not at the press conference to ask about it. But a couple of people have asked me like, well, what if a team just basically plays a guy a handful of minutes to sort of get around this rest rule? I, I don't think that's going to fly yeah. with the league. I think I, it's going to be, do you need to play? Yeah, there's pretty clear language on that. You know, the scoot thing is interesting because, you know, obviously there is benefit to, hey, this is going to be this guy's franchise moving forward. That's the hope. That's the plan. Let's get the deal done with Dame, move on, put the ball in his hands, and everything's kind of built around him. But whether it's 10, 15, 20, 25 games with Dame, like what's best in in the long-term interest of the Blazers and Scoot Henderson is to get the best deal. Like you're not going to take pennies on the dollar just to – so, you know, the first game of the season, the ball's in Scoot's hands without having to share it with Dame – I mean, you trying to get all the picks and all the assets you can because that's what's ultimately going to be in the best interest of uh, Scoot Henderson's d- development and your ability to build around him. So, you know, I don't know that uh, a guy who's fresh off the draft and has, has played for the G League Ignite, I, I don't necessarily know that he's going to have that big picture point of view, but that is the reality. Okay, well, let's and, get and, let, let's get his baseline answer then. That's what I that's, that's what sure. I'm looking for. Well, to your point earlier, Brian, about executives speaking, the person I want to hear from in Portland is not Dame. It's not Scoot. It's not Chauncey. It's Joe Cronin. I was at Joe Cronin's press conference in Las Vegas when he talked about this stuff. I I think you were there too, McMahon, if I remember correctly. Uh, I would like to hear from Joe Cronin two months later. Where does this stand? Are you any, have you made any progress on a deal? Do you see a deal happening anytime soon? Like I, I don't care about what anybody else says at this point. This is on Joe Cronin's plate, and it's going to be Joe Cronin who decides how long this is going to go. Is Dame going to be on the team until May? Is he going to be on until February? Is he going to be on until November? Like, that's he's the only one who can answer that. So I want to hear from him and see if anything has changed from when he talked in Las Vegas and was pretty and he, open about where things were at. Yeah, when he talked in Vegas, he was very open about it. And, and basically, uh, not quoting directly, but the, the two major points that he delivered there was – uh, this thing would move a lot faster if the market was more than one team, you know, and then it very well could take months. It's been months, but, you know, does the does the start of camp, does the regular season being around a corner, you know, does that provide a different sort of urgency? We'll be interested to hear what he has to say about that. I just think that what the Blazers want, if they're dealing with one team, if it is Miami or nothing, mm-hmm. they want what, the Nets got from the Suns, which is the Suns literally scrounging. Well, but they're, they're, but they're every... just they're just not I getting know. that. I understand that. And the, and a year ago, right now, the the Nets weren't getting it from the Suns, whatever initial talks that they had. And but you know the concept is that they want the Heat to literally scrounge into every nook and cranny and produce everything they possibly can. Yeah. And the Heat don't feel need to do that, and they haven't since June and. The one thing that we saw was a change in ownership of the Suns, and that's that basically changed the direction of their offer. Yeah, I don't think we'll be seeing a change in ownership of the Miami Heat. <laughs> well, and the other uh, the other difference too is the Nets were actively incentivized to not trade Kevin Durant for a variety of reasons. Where I, you're right to a point, Tim, where they don't like. Obviously, you don't want to give them up for two cents on the dollar just to turn the team over to Scoot Henderson. I do think it'd be pretty damaging to the start of Sue Henderson's career if he's playing off the ball and sort of having the ball a few minutes a game and not really much else playing next to Dame who's still one well, of you, the best point guards in the league and is going to have the ball all the time when well, no, what, why the, why is Dame going to have the ball all the time Dame's not the future there well hey, if, hey Dame that, we're trying to get things is, done you we guys are underscoring exactly guys. why I want to hear from these guys well, on yes. media day Yes. Well, I just look to me as my thought from this for months now has been, look, I understand that Portland looks at what the Rudy Gobert trade was, looks at what the Donovan Mitchell trade was, 
looks mm-hmm. at the Kevin Durant trade and says, hey, Damian Lillard is one of the best players in this league. We should get that kind of return. At the end of the day, that package is not going to materialize for Damian Lillard for a variety of reasons. So they can go into the season with this complete circus that's going to ensue, even though Dame is a pro and I'm sure he's going to show up and it's not going to be a James Harden type deal. But this is going to be a mess that they're going to have to navigate through. They have their point guard of the future. They should get the best deal they can get and move forward with what they have, which is a really good foundation to build on. But instead, I just think this is going to be a complete circus if he's there, even if Dane does show up and act like a pro, which I think he's going to. So that all of this underscores why they are obviously going to be one of the most interesting team to watch over the next several weeks to see if anything does change. Or if we're sitting here at the beginning of November and we're talking about watching Scoot and Dame try to make this, you know, two-headed point guard monster work. And by the way, you've still got Anthony Simons, who they gave $100 million to, who's 24, who is a, you know, a guy who's trying to prove himself in the league still and needs the ball and is not going to have the ball. And they have Shaden Sharp, who's another young guy who they want to invest in time and development in, who's going to need the ball to have have the ball in his hand sometimes. Like, there's just a lot going on there. There's, you know, there's some belief that, you know, Yusef Nurkic could get moved at some point as well. You know, I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, it may depend on what they get in a Lillard trade, but yeah. you know, he's a guy who was sort of part of the last team setup. So yeah, he definitely doesn't fit uh, the timeline. Neither does Jeremy sure. Grant, frankly. I hear that they just signed. Maybe they turn him around too in a few months. He might be the only guy with a big giant smiling face at media day because uh, <laughs> everything's great for him. Congrats yeah, on listen. that contract. No kidding. More hoop collective podcast after this. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Okay, Bontemps, back to you. I want to hear what's said in San Francisco at the Chase Center by the Golden mm-hmm. State Warriors. I want to hear what Steve Kerr has to say. I want to hear what Chris Paul has to say. I want to hear what Steph Curry has to say. Because to me, there's only one answer for how the Golden State Warriors season should go, which would be Chris Paul should come off the bench and he should give them the plan B they've never had during the Steve Kerr era, where whenever Steph has left the court, including, by the way, when Kevin Durant was on the team, They've never been able to function as an offense. They've always looked disjointed. They've always looked messed up because, at least relative to how they normally are messed up, I should be clear, because the way they play with Steph is such a singular system that you can't really replicate. Whereas Chris Paul, as McMahon knows from covering him, as we all know from watching him for forever now, he's a walking offense by himself. Mm-hmm. And they, they, as both Mike Dunleavy and Steve Kerr talked about after this trade, Hey, we've never been able to have a successful offense when Steph's off the court. Now we have Chris Paul. He's going to do that. So have him play 20 minutes a game, save his body for the playoffs, have him come off the bench. Well, you know, Chris got asked about it. was like, what do you mean? Like come off the bench. You know, Steve is you coach? You coach the team. Right. Exactly. Steve Kerr has, you know, artfully dodged questions about whether he's going to start or not. And by the way, the Warriors had a starting five last year that was, when healthy, by far the best five-man unit in the NBA. Yeah, but what so, what that starting five do the year before that? <laughs> it was pretty oh, good they won the year before that too. That's right. Oh, okay. Oh, certainly. So makes maybe sense to break that up to to protect a uh, a Hall of Fame ego. Yes. So I would love to hear what everybody involved with the Warriors has to say about. And look, maybe Chris will come in and and you know stand up there and say, hey. I've thought about it. I'm ready to come off the bench. It's all kumbaya here. Everything's going to be great. But 
I am very anxious to hear what everybody has to say there, because if they do try to jam him into the starting lineup somehow, I, I just I don't think that makes any sense other than as McMahon correctly pointed out just to massage our former podcast guest's ego and have him continue his, his consecutive start streak, I think, of every single game of his career, as we've talked about. I'm certainly curious to hear what Draymond Green has to say, because that's the guy you're most likely to get the most honest answer from. Well, he just gave an interview to Ohm where he, you know, said he used to hate him on a scale of one to 10 and 11. And now, now they're best buds. Oh, but listen, well, but Draymond, I don't doubt, but, yeah. I, I don't doubt uh, that they he's got his head wrapped around, hey, CP3 can come in and really help his team as a teammate, like all the, you know, mm-hmm. all the hard feelings from competing against him. Like, I'm not concerned about hard feelings from competing in the past. My concern is if if uh, CP3's thing is I'm a starter, I'm only a starter, I'm too much of a legend to come off the bench, break up that starting five that's been so successful and figure it out. Listen, if that's the case, Draymond's got every right to say bull crap. Like this, what gives you the right? You've well, Draymond, yeah. in a Golden State uniform. We've won championships around here. Honestly, it is on Chris Paul to fit in with the Warriors. I don't understand why the Warriors need to move everything around to fit him in. Well, they, they traded for him. He's, he's not perennial All NBA Chris Paul anymore. He's still a very good player, but it's time for him to transition into being a complimentary player. Bust out the CP Sixth Man of the Year campaign, Raymond Ritter. Listen, I know you've won a bunch of the, the you know the Warriors. Uh, PR staff, you guys win that award every year. I'm handing it to you on a silver platter. CP sixth man of the year, baby. Start the campaign right now. Well, and by the way, if you're the Warriors, this is a pretty easy argument to make to Chris Paul, which is, hey, look, man, we saved you from purgatory. Yeah, like you got dumped by the by the Phoenix Suns to the Washington Wizards, a team that's trying to lose, or if not trying to lose, they're not trying to win. They're clearly starting a rebuilding process. They tra- you know, they had nothing going on there. Chris mm-hmm. Paul at his age 38, 39 season is was not going to want to spend a year with a team that's not actively trying to win a title. And the Warriors went and traded Jordan Poole, traded a first round pick and brought Chris Paul to their team to, again, we, as we all know, he has a chance to walk in and actively fix a problem they've had the entire time they've been one of the dominant teams of the league. Like, it's not like there's not a role for him. He could play a super important role for this team, but yeah. it's like, hey, man, Come in and fill this role. And by the way, also as an older player, let's manage your minutes. Let's have you ready for the playoffs. Let's keep you healthy. Like this makes sense on every level Mm -hmm. other than is his ego and his, uh, is his status in the league going to accept the fact that he's now going to be a secondary player. That's the only, that's the only question here. It's not fit. It's not all the rest of it makes all the sense in the world. So Again, I'm very curious to see what everybody has to say on that front. Secondarily, Clay Thompson potentially commenting on an extension and potentially Steve Kerr commenting on an extension too. I tried to talk to him about it on the record during the uh, Team USA stuff. He didn't really sort of punted, but we'll see what Clay has to say. And one point on that real quick. At the 2018-19 media day, third year Kevin Durant was there. I was there for it. It was before I came over here. Steve got up there and essentially said, this is our last dance and pretty much told the world, Kevin Durant's not going to resign here. We're going to have fun this year and we'll see what happens next summer. But we're not, we're not worrying about Kevin's future. We're not worrying about any of this stuff. We're just going to play. And, you know, that's one of the, it's one of the things that's, that I always think about going into media day. Cause like the reason we're thinking about all this stuff now is like a lot of the times the tenor of the season can't come out of, what is said at these media day press conferences, because these guys have had weeks to think about what they're going to say. They know the questions are going to get asked. And these guys are not dumb. They've sat in front of microphones plenty of times. They want to make a certain point a certain way. They can go up there and say it. So to your point about Clay or Steve or this Chris Paul starting thing or all the other stuff we've talked about, everybody, it's going to be very hard for somebody to say, oh, I didn't mean to say that at media day, because you're not going to be surprised by uh, all these topics are not exactly surprising to anybody. So let's see how all these guys handle this stuff and what comes of it. Well, and with Chris Paul so far, just last thing with Chris Paul so far, the whole thing has been like, I don't know, you know, we haven't talked about it. 
We'll talk about it. And don't be surprised if he keeps on trying to punt. Uh, right. Today. Uh, well, yeah, I yeah I agree. Uh, Chris Paul is an expert at pretending like he doesn't isn't one of the deepest thinkers in the NBA. Chris Paul oh, is. The uh, is there a start? The are there? Is there a starting? Is there a st- is there a difference between starters and bench players? I, I don't know. <laughs> no, hey, oh, you no don't genius. you don't six you don't start six players start the game. You only start five. No, oh. no genius plays dumb as often as well as Chris Paul. <laughs> I just remember when I was covering uh, David Blatt with the Cavs. Which uh, congratulations to David Blatt. Uh, it was part of the Canadian team that uh, won bronze medal. Um, he was trying to explain why uh, Dion Waiters had been taken out of the starting lineup, and I remember him saying, "Oh." He's not a bench player. He's a second starter. <laughs> and I was like, listen, man, whatever you got to say to Dion to get him through the day, whatever you got to say to CP to get him through the day. He's That's right. A second starter. Yeah. Who you got, big man? Let's go down the West Coast. Let's go down to LA, not the Lakers, although there are some interest there, but the intrigue is certainly going to be, uh, what is it? The, the street lights, not the spotlights. I'm more interested in what's going on with those street lights because guess what? There ain't any extensions being given out to street lights. All right. I mean, Kawhi, Paul George, Ty Lu. It's it seems as if the message from Steve Ballmer is, man, I've paid a whole lot of money and don't have a damn trophy to show for it, or really haven't gotten that close to a trophy. So it's time to to prove it before I pay any more, before I commit to paying any more. That's going to be fascinating. Obviously, you've got a whole bunch of the uh, the, the old triple P, uh, the player participation. What's it? Is it player participation? <laughs> the old triple P is going to be a big uh, subject of discussion. But as far as big picture goes, I am much more interested to hear um, what little I assume Kawhi will have to say. You know, he is a man who um, can say a lot without using very many words um you know paul george as well and then ty lua because it that does have a feel of something that hey is this going to be uh kind of the 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 last it was a massive swing and you know is it is it kind of you fell off a few pitches and you've still got two strikes this is this is your last uh you know you're fighting to stay in the batter's box type of deal well we just saw steve Ballmer did uh Paul George's podcast. So it can't be too bad of feelings of wherever that uh, is. So my guess is that it'll be settled in one way or another. Like they'll either have decided they're extending or they decided they're not extending. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I think it's sort of the implication is already sort of there, but you know, negotiations are negotiations. Um, we talked about it a lot with Ohm and Bobby Marks a couple of days ago, but obviously this Clippers season, there's an incredible amount of chips in the center of the table. Um, yeah. And I understand you know, and I know that Steve Ballmer has said this, um, you know, that he doesn't want to start a rebuilding project going into his new arena. Uh, I get that. That is not what's not what you're looking for. You know, I don't care how much money you have. You don't want to you don't want to do that. Um, but that doesn't mean that uh, that he, they want to continue a deal that might not be working. So, you know, it's, you know, the only thing worse than starting a uh, rebuilding project going into the new arena is paying a massive luxury tax for a team that's an easy out in the first round. I mean, that, let's be honest, you ain't, that ain't selling tickets either. So, you know, and the flip side of all that is, guess what? If Kawhi is healthy, if Paul George is healthy, like this team still does have the talent and potential to be extremely dangerous. It just hasn't come together yet for that group. Well, look, we saw them beat the Suns in game one. Brian was at the game, right? They, with no Paul George, Kawhi Leonard was the best player on the court. They won the game. We were like, man, maybe the Clippers are going to win this series. Maybe Paul George can come back in the second round. Like, you know, who knows? Like, maybe they could get things together. And then Kawhi Leonard is hurt. He's not able to play. Everything goes sideways. Season's over. That's another question to ask about. I mean, not that I think Kawhi will get much of an answer, but he had knee surgery. Yeah. You know. Uh, they were they, I remember I remember Lawrence. I can't remember exactly what Lawrence's comment. Lawrence Frank, their team president, was like, Oh, it was just a very, very routine, common, itsy bitsy, teeny little weenie surgery. No big deal. Oh, really? Okay. Well, Is listen, and those, yeah. Well, and those guys chose to go to the Clippers. Do they want to extend? If they want to extend, 
okay, Clippers, your star players want to extend. Why haven't you extended them? Right? Like, again, this is sort of like the honest situation. There's a lot of stuff going on there. And there's a lot of pressure on this season. And it's very in, you know, Phillies, obviously, for a variety of reasons, in the similar boat. And maybe those teams will win and it will all be great. And, you know, all of them could, in theory, all of them are good enough to win a championship if things break right. And next summer, we're talking about them winning the title and everything's great and it's all gone well. Or they could all lose in the first or second round of the playoffs. And then you're talking about, well, you know, or Paul George or Kawhi Leonard trying to change these as free agents. Is Joel getting traded? Is Giannis getting traded? You know, and you could have this whole a whole chaotic summer ahead. And look, you can't I, ask Clippers, or you can ask, but Clippers executives can't talk about uh, James Harden. But you can certainly ask uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Hey, how aggressive do you think this franchise should be in pursuing a trade for James Harden? That might true. be an interesting answer as well. Uh, Chris, certainly Chris Paul, would be. I mean, uh, Paul George has not been afraid to comment on stuff like that before. Exactly. So, speaking of LA, I, it'll be it'll also be interesting to hear what LeBron. Well, first off, Russell Westbrook last year his his press conference to start the season was as relevant as anything was happening in the NBA. This year he'll be and also ran, but who knows yeah, what he might say for the Lakers? Real quick before I pick my next team, obviously it's going to be fascinating to hear LeBron talk about uh, his summer, and I don't know how much he's going to be willing to talk about it, but what he went through with Bronny. On a personal level, I'm just interested to hear what he says. You know, he was in um, this last week, he was in Rochester, Minnesota, and he had this cool thing where he surprised a high school. I don't know how much of a surprise it was. I think maybe word that LeBron was in the building might have spread a little bit, but he was been practicing at this high school and he kind of spoke to them as a sort of a thank you. I don't know for 1000% sure, sure, but LeBron being in Rochester, Minnesota, home of the Mayo Clinic, you can... You can draw your own lines there. So um, probably something important was happening with Brownie this last week. So um, we'll see what he's going to say. But um, just as a parent, you can only imagine what that was. I just remember the moment. I, I can remember the place where I was in Italy when I got that text message and was just stunned. I couldn't even believe what I was reading. So yeah. um, I'm interested to see what he, how much he's willing to talk about that. Because well, let's be honest too. Just, like, it's obviously become a big part of LeBron's story, right? Like we've spent several years now talking about the idea of LeBron playing with him in the NBA. And obviously it's way more important that he's healthy. I'm not trying to minimize that, but it is like, this has been, you know, he was going to, you know, he's at USC. We'll see, hopefully he's able to play this year. We don't really know where things stand with that, but like this year was supposed to be about Ronnie being in college. Jonathan Gavoni had him ranked as high as 10th in the draft in his mock draft. Like that was what the story was going to be. Where could Bronny wind up next year? Where could LeBron end up as a result of that? Now all of that is obviously a much different story. Right. So hope Bronny's doing well. Um, the team I want to hear from, this won't make sports center probably, but I'd like to hear what the Toronto Raptors yeah. are saying. When I talk to league executives in the league, you know, I, I definitely think that there's some teams are already storing up nuts for potential Giannis and Embiid availabilities. You know, I, I, I think as well as another superstar potentially. Yes. Well, I think Giannis and Embiid are more on the certainly Giannis and Embiid sort of. You know, you're just watching them. Yeah. Um, but other than that conversation, the conversation I have a lot in the NBA from executives. What do you think the Raptors are doing? Yeah. And I don't have and a good how, answer. And how long have you been having those conversations, right? It's like been kind of one of the Not, main stories in the yeah. last couple of deadlines, the summers. And, and been a the, while. The answer over and over again has kind of been nothing. Yeah. You know, I was, I said, I think I said this on the pod, but I had uh, a team, a team showed me, they did a, um, a list of the number of transactions that each team yeah. has done in the last three years. And the Raptors were just last. Which again, yeah. uh, my retort was, well, the Spurs were last from about 2003 to 2008, but you know they won a bunch of championships in there, and they the Spurs yeah. didn't have their, their best players yeah. walk out the door. Right. Yeah, and you know, Bontemps has talked about that many, many times. It's it's not that they've not done anything. You know, they they obviously choose to be kind of patient instead of panic. But like, there's been time after time after time. You didn't do anything, and then you lose the guy anyways. Well, we just saw with Fred Van Vliet. The year before, we saw with Kyle Lowry. You know, on down the list. You know, the, and the Pascal Siakam is a guy who certainly is coveted around the league. But you know, his hope very clearly is that he can 
earn his way on one of these all NBA teams. But then you get, you know, if, if that does happen, like, does it make sense for, for Toronto to, you know, more sort of in the, the guy, to, sort of in the, they're sort of in well, the Kemba is, Walker situation. Right. Yeah. So this is, I had a bit of a discussion about this with Brandon Ingram. So Brandon Ingram has two years left on his contract. And I briefly discussed it with some uh, Pelicans officials overseas who were there. He's not going to extend this summer. I didn't think it was worth putting up a four alarm fire over. Uh, But the reason he doesn't want to extend, he told me, is because, you know, there's a chance of him making a lot more money, which is he could make all NBA. And that's the same situation that Pascal Siakam is in. And all I'd say about that is if Siakam or Brandon Ingram makes all NBA this year, are we sure that those teams are offering them the the super max? Um, there was some question about whether the Celtics would. They did for Jalen Brown. Is that going to be a no brainer in other places? But the, I'm yeah, not the sure. Celtics I don't. Brown, I, yeah. the Celtics are a perennial contender. Yeah, and I don't think there was much question about them actually offering the extension. I think it was just more. I don't either. But there, done. but there was some. I don't. I don't think there was much question in the organization. Yes, I did that there was question in the league. Well, I did. I, I did wonder if they'd go full supermax because, like, a guy can be supermax eligible, and you can figure a number out that's more yeah. than more than the quote unquote max. That's it's true. A slice of supermax. You know, that's what yeah. you I did with. Uh, sure, with Rudy Gobert. Yeah. So I thought maybe something like that would make sense with Jalen Brown. They ended up he got the full supermax. You know, kudos to, to him and his agent. Um, but again, just like with with a player like Siakam, I think he's a phenomenal player. Like, what? Why does it make sense for Toronto to make a more than max commitment to Pascal Siakam? And we'll see. Maybe Scotty Barnes has a you know breakout sort of a season, and and you feel much differently about the direction of that franchise. But right now, they seem to be uh, running pretty hard on the mediocrity treadmill. I mean, it's it's very much like the Charlotte Hornets with Kemba Walker. I mean, it's a similar, it's a really similar deal in both those situations. I mean, you said it before. Boston has been in the conference finals or the finals basically every year for the past seven or eight years. Like yeah. it would have made no sense for them to not extend Jalen Brown, even if you do think you're overpaying slightly. For Toronto and for New Orleans, teams that are flirting with making the playoffs, it's a much different calculus. To right. pay somebody like that when well i think in the case of in the case of toronto two consecutive years they've had core players leave when they didn't get an extension yeah yep so even though it's the outcome situation is different in that so much he's not as much in, is, is interested in extending because and the other thing i'll say about siakam siakam has made the all-nba team like sure. you're looking at you know jamal murray is in this boat jamal murray could extend this summer he may not extend because he's gunning for all NBA and he's certainly coming off momentum to to do something like that. He's right. never made an all-NBA team. I don't think Brandon Ingram's made an all-NBA team. I mean, as I've said on the pod before, Jamal's never made an all-star team, let alone right. an all-NBA team. But Pascal Siakam can look at you with, this, with a straight face and say, I'm an all-NBA No question. Player. No question. So, uh, him taking that position is not, as, is not unreasonable. The question is, how will the Raptors deal with that position based on the way they've dealt with their last two star players who've walked on them for very little. And by the way, OG Ananobi, one year before he could be an unrestricted free agent, another guy that has a lot of interest around the league, and another guy that it's unclear what number would get him to stay in Toronto. And after losing Fred for nothing, but the way the talent is drained out of that organization, if both of those guys walk in a year for nothing, it's not great. Right. Let's put it so that's, that's what I'd like to hear from Masai Ujiri or Bobby Webster or both what they're what they're looking at because it's not that i necessarily think that the raptors are in position to contend but if those players are made available you got some potential change of power uh you know balance of power stuff if 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 they put those two guys on the block and decide hey this is we're gonna we're gonna blow this thing up we're gonna rebuild around scotty barnes and and young guys i mean they will get a haul of draft capital if, if those two guys well, i mean yes and no i, I mean the problem the problem is now they're down to one year left on their deals yeah. like that it's, you, you, you don't know whether right. they're gonna that's the part where it gets tricky like if they'd done it a year or two ago yeah they definitely would have now yeah, i don't know that's a fair point did did have they already waited too long but the only thing worse than waiting too long is is waiting until well, the end and once well again, the case of siakam the, the reason this complicates it is that Siakam has indicated he won't extend with the team if he's traded. 
Right, because it's in his best interest not to be traded. That's right. And we just talked about that's with the right. Super- he that's could right. be he could be being offered to be traded to plug into the '86 Celtics or the '88 Lakers. Take your '96 Bulls, whatever you want to say. Right. Right. Um, it's 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 more of a function of protecting his earnings than it is yeah. about where well, he goes. maybe so, his situation changes if they're struggling and it doesn't look like he's going to make all NBA in mid January or something. And it's like, all right, well, let me get traded to a good team. And true. I but like they have my bird rights or something. True. But we've seen the Raptors basically not do anything midseason. I, I know. <laughs> I know. You know, when you talk about a case of, of, of waiting too long, I think Ananobi very well could end up being something like that because. There was a lot of talk about Ananobi getting traded, but I don't believe there were a lot of real trade discussions involving him last year. I, I know, for example, that the Memphis Grizzlies had high, high interest. And I don't know exactly what they would have given up, but there were talks for Macau Bridges, and they did put four first-round picks on the table there. I do know they were willing to put multiple I'm not saying it was four, but I know it was it was multiple first round picks on the table in an Ananobi deal. Nothing. There's never any kind of real traction generated there, and then they've pivoted and they gave up a couple picks and you know went and got Marcus Smart and and Tyus so Jones. Yeah, Tyus Jones and you know yeah. Dylan Brooks, his expiring contract likely would have been part of that. So you know, I'm just saying, like that's an example of, and who knows, like. Maybe there could still be something that is put together, but that's an example of here was a potential trade partner that was willing to pay a premium, and uh, the likelihood of, of of you know that being a potential trade partner again is certainly diminished significantly over the summer just because of the business that the Grizzlies uh, did, and you know the the tradable contracts that are no longer there and the picks that are, are no longer in their possession. Yeah, uh, New Orleans will be another team that would have some interesting stuff on media day with what Zion might say about his health, about what he's hoping to accomplish, what David Griffin and Willie Green are going to say about what they're <clears throat> try, hoping to accomplish with him. Obviously, uh, you know, Zion is in a pivotal moment as well. So, um, all right, well, those are some of the teams we're looking forward to. I can't wait to actually be. Can, can I add two more real quick just before we go? Quickly. Yes. I'd be very interested to hear what Tyler Hero has to say after his yep. name has been thrown around all summer and just generally what the Heat have to say after what's been an interesting summer tangentially involving them. I know what the situation. Heat I know what the Heat are gonna say. The Eric's bull strike can already hear. Wow. We have enough. We have enough. I didn't I'm more interested in what Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler have to say, I guess, to be clear. And Bam Adebayo well, hey, Tyler, Tyler Hero might say, to talk. Tyler Hero might say, I've had enough. I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. And the other place where I think you might be, Brian, on Media Day. I'm fascinated by the Boston Celtics. We've talked about it a bunch. What are they going to do with their three centers? Chris Hasporzingis, Robert Williams, and Al Horford. Which of those guys are going to start? They're going to stretch the floor and call them power forwards is what they're Well, that's fine. But are they going to, which two of them are they going to start? How are they going to play them together? What is that going to look like? Is Porzingis practicing the start training camp? Oh, that's right. He's got his plantar fascia issue. How, where is that stand at the, at this point? Where is Malcolm Brogdon? Malcolm Brogdon, first off, Last we heard, Malcolm Brogdon was dealing with pretty significant elbow issue yep. and was basically traded to the Clippers. That trade fell apart. What what now, for sure? And yeah. and um, also, we since we've talked a bunch about extensions, Derek White can be extended. He's now been made Boston's starting point guard. They put a ton of eggs in the Derek White basket with the market, with the market start March trade, with the moves they've made. Where does he stand on an extension? They're going to get an extension done with him. And What's Joe Mazzullo's reaction to all this stuff? There's Celtics going to be one of the most fascinating teams in the league. There's going to be a whole lot of stuff to talk about. In yeah, Boston when I Monday. when I when I pitch my what we say um, when we call the uh, our NBA news desk at ESPN and say, hey, here's a story I have from Media Day when I'm in Boston. They're going to be like, uh, get behind Bon Temps, get behind Ohm, get behind. Uh, I think Mark Spears is going to uh, Portland. Get behind Spears. Jamal Collier ought to be up in Milwaukee, shouldn't he? Yeah, yeah Jamal be Collier will be in Milwaukee. Kendra, get behind Kendra will be in. Kendra will be in San Francisco. Yeah, like just get in line, get in line. Well, I'll be like, uh, I'll be like at Laguardia, circling out there, <laughs> waiting hey, as, for my slot. Yeah, as you mentioned, the Mavericks are one of the two teams that'll have theirs. Uh, is that already next week? Yeah, no, week from eleven, Friday. eleven days, I believe. All right, I'm, I'm, my weeks don't start until Monday for the week after. 
week after this. <laughs> next week. But 11 days for me. It's Monday for me. But right. um, we have not talked to Kyrie in quite some time. He did not do an exit interview with the media. He did with the organization, not with the media. He declined to talk to the media when he made his little appearance in Vegas, which was after he uh, signed the deal. Um, you know, it's always he's always an interesting fellow to chit chat with, and it's going to be very interesting to uh, to hear what he has to say about. Kyrie was uh, commenting to Stephen A. about um, first take politics. Uh, Listen, we've heard a lot months. of we've heard a, we we've seen a lot of tweeting, and every once in a while he'll do uh, yeah, all the social media stuff confuses me, but he'll do his. I guess is there some twitching and some IG live in and but we he has not answered questions about the whole process that played out during free agency and certainly how he feels about the immediate future and and you know why it made so much sense for him to uh leave as much flexibility in that contract or to create as much flexibility with that contract. Why don't you ask him about that uh back to back rule for him? Ask him about the back-to-back rule. Ask him if the technology and those antas he thinks is really going to, you know, help kind of keep that injury bug away. He does have a new shoe deal. I know he's going to be excited to talk about that. He's actually in China right now. Um, You know, there's a lot to talk to uh, with Mr. Kyrie. All right. Well, we look forward. We look forward to all of that. Bontemps travel home safe. Talk to you when you get back stateside. McMahon. Here comes some gear. God knows what it'll be, but there's some gear coming your way, probably. <laughs> Fly those DMs, baby. I'm ready for it. Thank you to Jackson, our producer, and we'll talk to you uh, in a couple of days. Adios, amigos.